If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchless MMA Podcast. It's your boy Dale Lippin in here with the flying Hawaiian himself, Trey Van Buskirk. What's going on, brother? Like I said last week, dude, off Fight Island, back to the States. You ready to rock? I am ready to rock, man. Listen, you know me. I'm a little bit scared of sharks, so I'm glad to be off the island. Uh, the, the island was both good and bad to us. Um, the island drinks were sweet. Uh, but the defeats were were there as well. So it was it was a give and take like when you go on vacation on an island. The highs are really high and the lows are really low. Uh, I drank a little bit too much of the water though, I think. Drank too much of the water. Okay. Okay, but did you did you did you eat some good food while you were there? I think I did, man. I really think I did. You know, it was kind of one of those things where um it, you you miss home the longer you're away though, right? I think everybody can agree when you go on vacation, it's nice, but nothing feels as good as your bed. Um Nothing, you know, nothing feels as good as a shower in your own shower and nothing tastes as good as the food that you eat at your own house. Uh, and if you have crappy food at your house, there's only one thing that you can really do to rectify that situation. Go to stayclassymeats.com, use promo code FIS, save 10% and get the best meat on the planet Earth. Up your food game. You only get to live once. You only get to take care of you and you might as well do it to the best of your abilities. Go to stayclassymeats.com, use promo code FIS, save 10% off your entire order. The best kept secret on Earth. Trey, I stand by that. I totally agree. You know, usually when I go on vacation, I mean, yes, it would be a delicacy to have stay classy meats and treat my body right, but I usually just let my body go to shit. And the best thing I can do during that time, though, is cover it up with some fly shit. So True. personally, I like to wear stuff that's kind of reminds me of being on vacation or maybe doing something I love. I love action sports. I love the action sports lifestyle. I like a lifestyle brand that's dedicated to creating authenticity, creating quality. And what are you going to get that with? You're going to get that with a brand that has heritage in the garment industry and has developed so much hybrid clothing and so much America that it just exudes from every piece that you wear. It's going to make you just feel like the on top of the world when you're on vacation. What am I talking about, Dale? Well, I think it's is it that it reminds me of like whenever you're standing in front of the flag and you put your hand over your heart when you're a little kid that that sort of feeling. What is, what is that? The pledge of what? Oh, allegiance. Dude. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yep. That's it. Allegiance, guys. If you're not familiar with their clothing, go to allegianceclothing.com. Check out everything they have from the hats, the tees, the shorts activewear all things action sports lifestyle and all things america utilize our code punch and that's going to get you 15 percent off site-wide allegianceclothing.com punch will get you 15 percent off i will say this they sent me masks because they have masks yeah and um the mask the mask they sent me are sweet now i'm, I'm not regardless how you feel on the masks you know <laughs> it, it is what it is and everybody has their opinion on them i will say this they're it's a very if you have to wear a mask, it's a comfortable mask to wear. Um, I'm bearded. I got a pretty big beard, you know, thick, bushy. Um, it fits pretty comfortably around my beard. I, you know, it's obviously not an airtight seal, um, but it's it's a comfy it's a comfy kind of feel in the material. Here's the thing, though, Trey, and the reason why I'm saying all this and extending this ad read out further is because I have sensitive skin. 
right? Part of the reason why I wear or why I have a beard is because the, the skin on my face is very sensitive to begin with, and a beard helps mitigate some of that. The mask doesn't irritate my face because the fabric that they use is super soft. It's the same fabric that they use on the shirts that they send. So like the shirts that we have from them, like the real butter soft material, that's what the mask feels like. So it's almost like it's like a nice little, you know, it's just it's good. It's cool. It's breathable. It's good. So just in case anybody was wondering, uh, I don't know. If you <laughs> Wait, were or not. was it was anyone wondering why your face looks like Chinese silk rib- ribbon? Yeah, no, I don't know. It just kind of felt like a nice little pair of panties on my face. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of panties, I want to talk about real quick before we get into anything of this yeah. card. I want to talk about the red panty night that kind of fell in our laps sure. before okay. we started. For those that are first-time listeners to the Punchlist MMA podcast, guys, we don't script anything. We literally just hit no. the go button. But I will Very say true. I wrote a couple things down because there were four things that dropped in our lap before uh, this episode started tonight. Dale, I'm going to shotgun the shit out of these things. I'm just going to go 100 miles an hour. You just let me know your thoughts on them. I'm not going to disagree. I'm just going to let you flow, okay? You let, you let, me, up, enter, you let me to Andre Feely enter my flow state? Dude, you're going to go straight up eight-mile rabbit style right here. Ready to get, All right. Let's go, Papa Doc. Hit all me. right. <laughs> Khabib versus Justin, officially set for October 4th. Thoughts? Initial thoughts, I like Justin. Um, uh, the reason why I say I like Gaethje is for, the, you know, I don't. We don't know how Khabib's going to react to not having his dad in his corner. Um, I know that's a. It, it sounds like initially a pretty inherently shitty thing to say. Um, I feel bad that Khabib lost his father. We don't know what that's. Gonna, he's either going to come out and he's going to look like a tornado, or he's going to come out and he may look flat. We also will finally get to see the fabled elite level wrestling of Justin Gaethje. Um, we know that Gaethje's been put in rounds with Kamara Usman. And we've we've heard, you know, from the likes of Drew Dober and other guys at Team Elevation that Gaethje's wrestling game is as good as anybody else on the planet Earth. I know everybody says that until they get in the cage with Khabib, but there is no avoiding wrestling whenever you fight Khabib. Khabib will not stand there and trade with him. He will wrestle, and supposedly Gaethje's wrestling game is next level. I'm excited to see it. Plus 190 is Gaethje right now, which is the closest the odds have been on a on a Khabib fight in a long time. Minus 250 for Khabib plus 190 uh, for Justin Gaethje. I initially like Gaethje. Like it. Now transitioning from those that are elite wrestlers to those that are elite strikers, bantamweight Cody Garbrandt has asked Dana White permission to drop to flyweight. Coming off his amazing knockout win, what is his thoughts dropping down to flyweight over just kind of maintaining his pace in bantamweight. I think it's a great move for Cody. Cody's been talking about, he's always been able to make the flyweight limit, but he's just kind of sort of been stuck in a purgatory of number one contendership and injury in bantamweight. The time has never been really been right for it. That division is wide open, more wide open than it's ever been before. Do I think Davis and Figueredo is a nightmare fight for him? Of course I do. But if you're going to look for it, if you want to go to a division where you're the clear number two in the division, that's a great option for you. If you can make the weight easily, which he says that he can, I think it's a great option, man. I really do. I think he can win just about any fight in that division. He can probably beat Davis and Figueredo too, but that's a very, very dangerous fight. Probably the most dangerous fight for him there. 
Cody ultimately wants to be a champion. That's really what he surrounds himself with is this idea of wearing that belt and being the champion. Uh, I don't know how quickly he could realize that fate again at bantamweight. I think that maybe the, the ship has sailed there, but flyweight could bring new life into his career. I mean, he's only, what, 28, 29 years old. I think a move down there, if he can make it and make it easily, could extend his career by another five, six years. So speaking also of, you know, obviously Cody could be the clear number two in the flyweight division. Let's talk about a guy that's had two wins in 11 days in Kazmat Shemaev. That guy is looking to get back into the cage as quickly as possible. He has already talked about working with Dana White and putting together a fight for him on August 15th to return at UFC 252. Yeah. Here's the thing with this, right? I, I would love this guy if they weren't already building the hype train behind him. I don't like being told what to do. It's inherent in just my nature of how I am as a human being. I don't like following the rules. I'm not a big status quo guy, and I don't like hype trains. I just can't get behind them. I am a show-improve kind of guy. Wins over Reese McKee and John Phillips are not big show-improve things for me. Did he land 190-odd-some-odd strikes to two? He absolutely did. I can't negate what the guy did in the cage. It's incredibly impressive. But I think everybody needs to pump the brakes. I, you know, it wasn't that long ago when everybody was saying that Johnny Walker's only been in the cage for three and a half minutes and he's a real threat to John Jones. And now we realize that that was foolishness. The UFC has a, is lacking star power. There's a black hole style vacuum, a void, if you will, without the Ronda Rousey's, without the Brock Lesnar's, without the Conor McGregor's, without these guys. Are they bigger? I think the UFC is probably the biggest that it's ever been just based on like the reach that it has in foreign countries with champions like Khabib and Amanda Nunes. Uh, but I really believe that the star power, like the straight-up star power, is lacking. And you even removed John Jones from the equation now. You have a heavyweight division that's been tied up in purgatory for a lifetime. They're desperate for stars. Uh, a guy that looks like a smashing machine like Kazmat Shemaev, that's a great person to sort of rally the wagons around. But I need to see him beat somebody in the top 50 globally at either middleweight or welterweight for me to get really fired up for it. Uh, I suggested on a couple different channels, uh, on a couple different, uh, you know, medians, podcasts, whatever, that I think that uh, Bilal Muhammad or Li Jingliang are great, uh, great metrics to see where he's at. Both those guys reside in the middle 20s. Uh, globally, like 27 and 21, respectively. I think that's a good litmus test to see where he's at. But I'm not hopping on anything until I see him get two wins or three wins against people that I actually think are dangerous. Love it. Speaking of uh, star power, Jimmy V has put his hand in the management of UFC fighters, recently opening Vayner Sports Agency. That is going to be headed, obviously, by Jimmy V, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, couple major fighters under his realm now in Tony Ferguson, Colby Covington, and Uriah Faber. What are your thoughts on a new management system being kind of put into the UFC with all the star power? Yeah, just so we don't get crucified in the <laughs> reviews or anything like that, Gary V. Um, Jimmy V was Jim Valvano, uh, oh. the NC State coach uh, that Dude, died of cancer, did the Jimmy brain. V Foundation. It's okay. You have, a, you, have a, you have a young baby at the house. It happens. <laughs> um, so Gary V, Gary Vayner started Vayner Sports. Um, obviously, anybody that's followed Gary V on social media for some period of time has known that he's expressed a desire to own the Jets one day. 
Uh, he's a lifelong New York Jets fan. Uh, and part of the way that he wants to get into that is making money uh, and getting his toes wet in the sports management sector. He's doing that through Vayner Sports. He's going to focus primarily on football uh, players, but they are they are developing a, an action sports division. I think signing guys like Colby Covington, Tony Ferguson, uh, Uriah Faber. I saw Chris Weidman signed with the, with him. There's quite a few that have jumped on board with that. I think that's a great pickup. It's a good place to start, right? Um, if you're going to do it, you want to go with guys that are sort of already established. You don't want to try to, you know. Uh, build a guy up from, from the ground up. You don't want a Jerry Maguire situation where you're finding a guy that barely got drafted or is barely on the fringe and then trying to make that person into a superstar. Gary V comes in, he signs Tony Ferguson, he finds or signs Colby Covington, Eddie Alvarez, Vitor Belfort, Chris Weibman, Uriah Faber. I think he even signed Curtis Blades too. Like we're talking about serious contenders. The odds that Vayner Sports are going to have a champion under their umbrella inside the next year, very high, very high. And I mean that most likely through the avenue of either a Tony Ferguson interim championship, a Colby Covington welterweight championship, or Curtis Blades finally getting that heavyweight strap. Dude, you said Jerry Maguire. We are heading into yet another card on another Saturday. Are you ready to show me the money, dude? I am going to show you the money. I am going to show you the money. We finished last week 11 and 3, absolutely crushed it 7 and 1 on prelims, 4 and 2 on main card. We absolutely crushed it, Trey. Um, like we had said before, you and I had secretly sort of prepared for this idea of a perfect card. Um, you know, we, we were so confident and we didn't want to do the, the, the patented jinx where we jinx ourselves and talk about how confident are we going into it. We're like, we're just going to put these plays out, they're all going to hit, and we're just going to celebrate accordingly. Right. Yeah. And, through six fights, we looked top-notch, man. And then Nicholas Dalby got slapped by Jesse Ronson. Admittedly, and this is where I put egg on my face here, is I dropped the ball on the Jesse Ronson, um, the Jesse Ronson-Nicholas Dalby play, and I'll tell you why. I knew that Jesse Ronson had been in the UFC before, right? I knew that that was a thing. Um, I didn't recognize the face um, I, I just looked at the name for that fight. I, admittedly, I did not get on. I did not research it looking at the name, um, looking at any further than that before making the Dalby pick because I felt really confident in Dalby just based on trajectory and how he's been fighting lately. Like I really felt good about that. It wasn't until after we recorded that I went back through and did a little look at, look-see on Jesse Ronson and saw that his three losses in the UFC uh, prior to being cut were all split decision losses, Trey. Split decision loss to Kevin Lee. Split decision loss to Francisco Trinaldo. Split decision loss to Michelle Prezeris. El Tractora, like we talked about, right? Yes. Um, I... Had I known that, I probably would have leaned towards Jesse Ronson in that fight. Even then, we it doesn't it doesn't erase the other two losses that we had. But I look at that fight and I go, we could have been ten and two instead, right? Or I'm yeah. not not ten and two. I'm sorry. What did we go? Um, Eleven and three. Mm-hmm. We could have been twelve and two. Sorry. It's all good. Um, I, I'm waiting for you to say 
this one thing to me, but you know, I might as well just say it. With some no, of our no, no, losses no. Okay, come big hold, wins. Hold on. Yeah, I'll give it to uh, hold on, let me give you credit where it's due. Thank you. You called Carlos Barza to win, and she won by split decision. She beat Marina Rodriguez. She used her wrestle heavy attack and dominated the fight. I don't get the split decision. I definitely thought she won 29-28. I concede that you were right. I was wrong. Carlos Barza got the win. She got it done. Congratulations on a great win, Team Cookie Monster. Uh, dude, C is for champion. It is not for cookie. And I will say this. Guys, do not doubt Trey when it comes to women's MMA. I love women, and I love MMA. How the fuck am I going to miss any picks? <laughs> Fair enough. Only other thing we missed, guys, outside of that, was the uh, we missed the Paul Craig uh, Gulov fight. Gulov looked amazing until, as you quote, he busted out that white belt triangle defense mm-hmm. and got completely just decimated. So there is that. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that. Um, we did look like we were on the way to a loss with the Francisco Trinaldo Jai Herbert fight. Um, and Tr- Trinaldo pulled that out with a round three TKO a minute 30 into that and saved us. Go, had us one seven and one going into the uh, the main card there. So, all right, Trey, let's get after it, man. Uh, we're back at the apex. Nice, quiet. The apex has been kind to us before. We're hoping to, for it to be kind to us again. Let's kick off the main card here. Trevin Giles at 12 and two, Kevin Holland, 17 and five. Kevin Holland really won't take a fight unless it's short notice. And my man is taking a short notice fight yet again. But to his credit here, even though he's short notice, he is the favorite to win this fight. Minus 200 against Trevin Giles plus 160. Yeah, I thought Kevin Holm was going to be that uh, kind of Kazmat uh, Shemaev type guy. He was going to be the champion of what was like the COVID fights. We saw Kevin Holland come in and kind of, I mean, took a quick win and then actually looked to jump in quick again, but then had a last minute injury and kind of bailed out. Trevin, G- Trevin Giles, on the other hand, you know, he's come in. He looks like a you know high rated prospect. Guy comes in, you know, has a huge win over Ryan Spann. But then we've just kind of seen him flutter. And I think a lot of my confidence with Trevin Giles has gone out the window after we saw him uh, take on, oh my gosh, why am I blanking right now? Coaching right now. James Krause. James Krause. He did not look good. James Krause, who took that on last minute. James Krause was pretty much outpointing him. And I actually thought James Krause won that fight. I didn't see much out of Trevin Giles. He's a fairly well-rounded fighter, but I think Kevin Holland... He's he's extremely athletic and he's a little bit more textbook. He's not going to be as wild on the ground. We've seen Trevin Giles be really crazy in his scrambles. You know, Kevin Holland is very textbook. He knows where to go, point A to point B. Yeah. I like Kevin Holland. Yeah, let's people people need to be aware of what happened with the James Krause fight because I'm I'm pretty salty about it because we picked James Krause in that fight. What we did not know is that Trevin Giles, head coach, um, is the head coach or jujitsu coach, rather, of one of the judges that judged the, the James Krause and Trevin Giles fight. Ooh. Just so happened to be one of the judges that scored the fight for Trevin Giles. So I was very adamant that I thought that that fight should have been, that James Krause should have um, appealed the loss to that, uh, to the commission or whatever. I think that, ha- that fight happened in Texas or something at the time. Uh, but he didn't, and it is what it is. Maybe that just speaks to the character of James Krause. He just takes his L and keeps it moving. Um, his stock obviously went up regardless with that fight. Even still, 
uh, Kevin Holland, Trevin Giles. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Kevin Holland here, uh, and I'm going to say keep an eye out on the over. The over is at one and a half. Keep an eye out on the over there as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't see Kevin getting in there and knocking him out, but he does have the fight IQ. He's got the size, and he's definitely got patience to get this win. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's keep things moving right along here, Trey. <clears throat> Golly, man, I got a little bug in my throat here. <laughs> That's all right. We'll get it under control. All right, we got a rematch. Short notice. It, short notice in the sense that you know the the MMA world just kind of learning about it in the last week or so. Bobby Green, Lando Venata. Uh, last time they fought, split draw. Uh, Bobby Green, twenty five and ten. Lando Venata, eleven and four. Um, I don't want to call it a classic of a fight the last time, but it was a highly entertaining, fan-friendly fight, as Lando Venata fights can be. Bobby Green looking to capitalize on that momentum after a win over Clay Guida. Uh, quick turnaround here against Lando Venata. Initially, I'm liking Lando here, Trey, but let me tell you, you know, the odds on this, I think, are probably going to get a little bit closer come fight time. Minus 140 for Lando Venata, plus 110 for Bobby Green. Over-under on rounds is at two and a half. You know, this is a weird fight. You know, why do you run back this fight? This isn't a title fight. This is not a grudge match. You know, like you said, it is highly entertaining, but it wasn't anything that was just so star worthy that we're, you know, worthy of seeing this again. I will say this is going to be somewhat of a lackluster fight. I think um, that I would prefer to play like an over or a two decision play. I'd, you know, I we believe we know who's going to win this fight in Venata, but I will say this. Green is a guy that never likes to dictate his pace. He's a guy that kind of just follows. He he follows his dance partner around. He tries to counter. And Venata is a guy that, you know, is a counterpuncher in himself. So no one's going to really kind of dictate this pace. I didn't see Green look that great over Clay Guida. Clay Guida is someone that you should just, at this stage and, you know, you know, place in his career, you should be dominating Clay Guida. Clay Guida obviously utilized great wrestling, but this wasn't like an over-dominant green that, you know, we look into this fight and say, oh, Bobby Green's going to take down Lano Venata. Lano Venata is going to win this fight. He's going to win it because of his counterpunching. He's going to dictate the pace, and that octagon control is what's going to essentially set it over. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm with you 110%. Um, here's the thing with that fight, though, right? I, I agree with you that, you know, it's, this wasn't anything that people were screaming from the rafters saying we need that rematch to happen. I, I get that. But you have a guy in Lando Venata that is has the potential, and I mean this, the potential to beat anybody on the roster on any given night. He really does. Yeah. The problem is, is that whether or not he shows up or not, uh, you look at like the Mark DeCasey fight. He just didn't show up. He didn't show up. But then you look at him when he fought Tony Ferguson and there were points in the fight against Tony Ferguson where it looked like he was going to win. Yeah. So you have yeah. a guy that literally has the talent to beat anybody on the roster. Um, the flip side of that is because of that, nobody wants to fight him, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to fight him. And then we're in this weird spot, Trey, where we're seeing a lot of these people, men and women, fight repeatedly over and over and over again during this quarantine period because only a certain amount of people are healthy, only a certain amount of people can train, only a certain amount of people are available and willing to make it happen. That's why we see quick turnarounds like Bobby Green. That's why we see quick turnarounds like uh, Kazmat Chemaev or guys like Kevin Holland or whoever is because there's only there's a limited talent pool. The UFC roster as a whole is over 500 fighters strong, but there's only about 200 of them that are readily available right now. So mm -hmm. you got to go with what you got, right? Um, and this is a good opportunity. You can put some steam behind this fight. 
in a card that's already lacking because it's lo- it lost its main event in Holly Holm and Irene Eldana. Uh, yeah. Book this fight. It'll at least make it entertaining. It should be anyway. Um, the last fight was entertaining. I don't know if you said this one would be lackluster. I don't know if it's going to be lackluster in the sense that it will, maybe it will be because it won't live up to the hype of the first one um, or the, the results of the first one. Um, because a lot of these guys have everything on the line. Both of these guys need a win. Even though Bobby Green beat Clay Guida, he needs a win here. He can't afford to go one and one. And Lando Venata needs needs a win like we need air to breathe. The dude needs a win. And I'm with you. In that regard, we might not see the reckless abandonment and the creativity of striking that we normally see with Lando Venata. I think you're on to something with maybe looking at it over here. Um, But, you know... I like the I, I like the idea of just taking Lando Venata, and if somebody feels crazy, they can sprinkle a little over under on that. But I think you're dead on with your assessment here, man. Well done. Thank you. All right, let's keep things moving. Randy Brown versus Vincente Luque. Randy Brown at twelve and three. Vincente Luque at eighteen and seven. Vincente Luque, another guy that is wildly active as of late, despite the fact that he continues to be in dog fights each and every time he's out. The guy has no idea what an easy fight is. Uh, this Randy Brown one isn't going to be any easier for him, man. He's got to avoid the clinch. He's got to avoid risk control, and he got it. He's got to stay off the cage against a guy like Randy Brown. Randy Brown's suspect chin cannot stand in the middle of the octagon in, a, in exchange for the guy like Vincente Luque. He will get slept. Randy Brown plus one fifty five, Vincente <laughs> Luque minus one ninety over under on rounds one and a half. Yeah, I feel like we need to make like a mascot for this fight. It's going to be called the Just Bleed mentality because that's what this fight is. This is going to be fight of the night or at least when you look at this card holistically. Vicente Luque, the guy's got legit hands. He's got some killer KOs. He's extremely technical on his feet, and he's got the fucking statue of David chin. The guy's straight up granite. The guy's got a chin on him. Yeah. Brown's super dangerous because the guy's extremely lanky. It's 6'3 with a 78 wrench. He pull, 78 like inch reach. He plays from distance all the time. The question and the vulnerability for him lies on the mat. And the thing is, Vicente Luque actually has a great ground game. He just doesn't ever use it. You know, we saw Mickey Gall struggle with him. We've seen a couple people that just, you know, say, hey, I don't want to deal with him on the mat. I might as well try my, you know, try my chances on the feet. Doesn't work out for them. The guy's durable. He's going to get this done. Yeah. What Luque needs to be careful of is the, like, I mean, you said it perfectly, man. You set it up exactly what I was going to say. He needs to be aware of the risk control and the reach and the length of a guy like Randy Brown. Randy Brown loves the press fights up against the cage, and he has those long arms. Yeah. Not completely out of the question that he could sink in some sort of standing choke, uh, coming from like a clinch transition or something like that. Um, you know, standing arm triangle, standing guillotine, something like that. Those very possible with guys with those long arms, that long reach, and those big hands to control. Vincente Luque has got to stay in the middle. He's got to chop up those legs so Randy Brown can't, you know, explode on him. And he's got to keep his back off the cage here. That's how he's going to win this fight. He's got to get it done if he's going to get it done that way. My opinion, strength of schedule alone, minus 190 is a great price on a guy like Vincente Luque. Yeah, and you know what? A great barometer for really lanky fighters is Steven Wonderboy Thompson. We yeah. saw Luke do extremely well against a guy who not only has a crazy reach, but also is the most awkward and technically tough fighter to fight. Um, that as a barometer is a great reference point for Vicente Luque going into this fight against Brown. Yeah. Yeah, I can get on board with that completely. 
All right, man. Co-main event of the evening. It is a women's fight. Um, I know you have strong feelings about it, but I do want to get into it. JoJo, Joanna Calderwood taking on Jennifer Maya. Calderwood at 14 and 4. Jennifer Maya at 17 and 6. Calderwood tapped for the next Valentina Shevchenko title fight. However, Valentina's hurt. She's taking some rehab. So JoJo's taking a get or stay busy fight. In my opinion, I hate stay busy fights. You almost Mm -hmm. always lose a stay busy fight. Um, it's not boxing. This is MMA. Stay busy. Fights are way more dangerous. You have a much greater chance of being injured or getting beat. And she is taking a stay busy fight against a chick that has an outstanding opportunity to friggin' beat her, man. And Jennifer Maya, I don't like this fight at all. Dude, that was the first thing I was going to say. Is this is just such a dumb fight. It's not dumb because it's a you know women's co-main that's you know no title on the, on the line, but. It's dumb because all the risk is on Calderwood's shoulders. This is a massive risk, and it's not a massive risk because you have two, you know, players that are, you know, good at standing. This is a complete confliction in styles. You got, you know, both, you know, somewhat of Muay Thai backgrounds, but Jennifer Maya, no joke on the ground. No joke. You do not want to go on the ground with her. So what do you think she's going to do? She's going to take Calderwood down, land some ground and pound, hold top position, and I, I'm really nervous for Calderwood to try and get back her back up against the cage and get back to her feet because Maya's going to drown her. Yeah, yeah. You're I, listen. I'm with you 100 here. I hate this fight for JoJo. I just hate stay busy fights. Ask Frankie Edgar what it's like to take a stay busy fight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just you. It, it's a tear. It's just never a good idea. Just wait your turn. Wait your turn. And, and you know, here's a great example of it. Uh, it was, it was flash in the pan as far as rumor mill goes last week. But, you know, Ali Abdelaziz was saying that, you know, uh, Khabib said that, you know, go ahead and fight telling Justin, like, go ahead and fight Connor in the interim and then we'll fight after. And Justin Gaethje was like, absolutely not. I'm yeah. going to fight. I'm going to fight you because taking a stay busy fight is stupid. You've got a title shot waiting. Just wait. Just wait. There's no rush. Just wait. And even like something like this. Now we don't know the we don't know the backstory behind this. Maybe Calderwood already has the bout agreement signed with Shevchenko, and the UFC said win, lose, or draw here. You're still going to get the Shevchenko fight. You're doing us a favor by stepping in, saving the day with this co-main co-main spot against Jennifer Maya. But if she didn't, we've got a real issue on our hands here because you're taking on a very dangerous Jennifer Maya at a plus 135 underdog. That line alone indicates, like you said, that there's some real danger here. Plus 135 in a women's fight is essentially a pick em. Um, You know, anybody that's new to betting MMA, anything inside of a minus. 200 is essentially a pick because we're talking about people that are trying to punch each other in the face or rip limbs off minus 200 and below is essentially as close. It, you know, it's not a pick in the truest sense of the word, but it's pretty damn close to it. So when you've got a minus 165 plus 135, that's Vegas essentially going, we don't have a clue, but we have a, we're giving somebody like a 63% chance of winning. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. I, I don't love that. I don't love that with a title shots on the line. No, no. 
I think we have to look a little bit into the strength of schedule too. Um, I will say, obviously, Calderwoods have fought the you know the better of of yeah, fighters, sure. but we have to look at you know the ones that she struggled with, the Cynthia Calvios, the Jessica Andrages. Those are two type of fighters where you can take traits, you can take char- characteristics, and put those in Jennifer Maya's bucket. You can see Jennifer Maya being a little bit more of a bruiser in your face, going for that double, trying to take you down, being explosive, being that kind of heavier weight type fighter, and out pointing her on the ground. I think you also can't, you know, slouch on Maya from standing. She beat Roxanne Montefiore. You have to be calculating. You have to be measuring your approach when you fight Roxanne Montefiore. And she held her own standing up. So I think it's while standing up, we should obviously, you know, concede that Calderwood should, you know, that's where her comfortability should lie. But Maya has a game plan. And I think this is one that could be extremely exploited in Calderwood's, uh, you know, side. Yeah, I think the, I think the better... Um, for me anyway, I think the better, you know, measurement of Maya's stand-up ability comes against her win against Alexis Davis, right? Alexis Davis is a decorated kickboxer, um, a, a girl that doesn't really have much of a ground game. Uh, Matafari is getting better at her striking, but really it's the wrestling, the top pressure, the, 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 just the general pressure that Roxanne brings in that you really have a hard time with. Uh, and you know, that first time that they, they fought back in 2016, the, the Maya Matafari fight, then was a split decision. Maya made the requisite adjustments and won the last fight against Montefiore by unanimous decisions. 30-27s around. She made the adjustments. She's getting better as a fighter. Her and JoJo both share losses to Caitlin Chukagian. Um, so we can't even do simple MMA math there to see who's going to win. Uh, Alexis Davis, though, is a, is a good striker, a competent striker, a decorated kickboxer. And uh, Jennifer Maya has a win over her. This is a dangerous fight, man. I, I, I personally don't want to touch it. I know you have a feeling here, like a little, a little tickle on your belly that's telling you a little something. Uh, but yeah, that that's just me. Oh God, do I have to do this again? I do this just like I did last time. I'm not going to fight you on it like I did last time. Just tell everybody what your belly tickle's saying. <sighs> Jennifer and... Maya is going to win this by decision. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> says, says, says the belly tickle. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm laughing. Fucking Winnie the Pooh over here. Yeah. All right. Main <laughs> event of the evening. Not the main event we thought we were going to get, but the main event we now have. Derek Brunson, 20 and 7, taking on Edmund Shabazian at 11 and 0, the undefeated prospect. Minus 350 favorite against Derek Brunson at plus 275. Over under on rounds. Trey is at one and a half. Dude, I know we talked about this at the beginning with the Kazmat, you know, two fights, 11 days, looking at UFC 252. Shabazian, there's a reason he's called, you know, the golden boy. This has been the prospect of all prospects for the UFC. This is like the O'Malley's. This is, you know, what at one time was the Sage Northcuts. Shabazian is a guy that the UFC wants to kind of lift up on their shoulders and make the next big thing. My question to you is, is it too early, too soon? At 22 years old, you're going against what is arguably like one of the highest level gatekeepers in the 185-pound division. This is a scary fight for a lot of reasons, and I think the lines are extremely skewed. I think it should be a lot closer, but I want to get your thoughts. Is it is it too much too soon for a 22-year-old? I don't know if it's too much too soon. I agree with you, though. I think the lines are disrespectful to Derek Brunson. Absolutely disrespectful to Derek Brunson. If you look at Derek Brunson and you look at who he's lost to, Anderson Silva, Jacare Souza, Yoel Romero, um, Israel Adesanya, 
outside of that, my man has beaten everybody else. Um, so it's essentially saying I only lose to the elite of the elite. Um, now coming off back-to-back wins over Elias Theodoro and Ian Heinish, that's not exactly like setting my sensors off. You know what I mean? It's not like I'm hitting a jackpot and I got lights blaring everywhere. However, those are two quality wins. I think both of those guys, um, minus Elias Theodoro, I think Ian Heinish is probably a better step for Edmund Shabazian than a Derek Brunson is. I think Derek Brunson's a lot. Like you said, I don't know if it's too much too soon, but this is a real challenge. If Edmund goes out there and he runs through Derek Brunson, like every, like, like he has everybody else, then we legitimately know we have a straight up contender on our hands. Um, this is a dangerous fight for him in the sense that, uh, a lot rides on this as far as his star power goes and his mo- momentum within you know, a star-strapped UFC. Uh, he needs this fight because the UFC wants to get behind him. Derek Brunson, on the other hand, needs this win to show that he has the capability to maybe not be a gatekeeper and get back into contention in a middleweight division that seems to have a little bit of a logjam up at the top. Um, so anybody can really sneak in that nine through seven spot, get a big win, and then you can make your case for a title shot right there with the Kelvin Gastelums, Darren Tills, Jack Hermanson, Jared Cannonier of the world. Like you can get in there. You just got to win two or three first and knocking off an undefeated prospect at 11 and 0 was at, at like Edmund Shabazian and doing so in emphatic fashion. That's a great first step. The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step and he's got to get through Edmund first, which is no tall task. So Shabazzian is the type of guy obviously that comes in and just not swings for the fences. He's very calculated in his punches and stuff like that, but he's never really gotten out of the second round. We don't know what his cardio is like after one and a half rounds. Really? This is a fight where I think that Brunson should come in here and really try and drain him. The first round, make it the most lackluster, most least entertaining type fight of all. Run around the octagon. Drain him. Have him reach. Have him try to take you down. Have him just expend as much energy as possible. Let's see what happens in the later rounds. I think this is only a three-round main, though, which makes me a little bit nervous. Is it? Did they they announce it as a three-round main? I'm pretty sure it is. And if that's the case it's going to be a little bit of a gamble because over one and a half, you're only dealing with one and a half rounds left to try and drain a dude and see how he's going to do in the later rounds. What I like about Brunson is he's learned from his mistakes. He is a guy that can get kind of wild. He can literally jump into these type of firefights, but he knows that like you had said, he's on the back end of his career. He is known as a gatekeeper. He's going against up against a prospect. He needs to show that veteran experience. He just shows that mentality. He needs to show that he's calculated and measured in his approach. I think if Brunson gets in there, drains him in the first round, and kind of looks to wrestle and you know keep a little bit of top-heavy position, this could be a lot of vulnerabilities and a lot of issues for uh, Shabazian. Okay. We'll see. I don't see anything about... Oh, yeah, it will remain a three-round fight despite yeah. being elevated to headliner status. That's a great... Man, that's a great observation. That's good insight. Um, makes sense why the over-under is at one and a half then. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes a lot of sense. So you don't, neither one of these guys have to worry so much about their gas tank. Uh, you know, 
Brunson has struggled with his gas tank in the past. He looked better against Ian Heinish, I, I thought. I thought the gas yeah. tank of Ian Heinish was, was going to win that fight at the time. And Brunson actually looked like he was a, more ready uh, than Ian Heinish was in that regard. So, um, I mean, what do you think? We just take Shabazian until proven otherwise? I like Shabazian because if this was a five-round fight, I'd actually probably lean more towards Brunson because he could utilize that logic and really kind of drain him and pull him into deep waters. But we know Shabazian comes out fast, so you can almost concede the first round and a half to Shabazian. So he just has to somewhat maintain this pressure, octagon control, land some punches, and he can get away with a win. So I like Shabazian here, but I'm just saying, man, Brunson has an opportunity. Okay, so... Possible upset alert with with Derek Brunson, but for the sake of what we're talking about, Ed, Edmund Shabazian should win this fight. Yeah, absolutely. Gotcha. All right, let's run through these prelims real quick, tie a bow on this thing. Speaking of bows real quick, Trey, before we tie bows on stuff, um, do you remember what you got for Christmas last year? Um, what was your favorite gift that you got for Christmas last year? Uh, it was probably just a Hawaiian shirt. That's pretty standard. Just Hawaiian Batter shirt. socks, yeah. Gotcha. Did it come? <laughs> did it come in a box? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever got anything unexpected in a box? Um. <laughs> oh. Would you say like a dick in the box? M- maybe. Maybe. Have you ever had one of those? Have you ever had I, a dick in a box? Uh, fortunately, no. Okay. If you did, let's say you did. Let's say you did get one in a box. Uh, would you prefer it to be clean shaven or you want it in its natural state? Uh, dude, mentally, I can't get there right now. Um, I, probably clean shaven. Probably clean shaven. And you know what would do the best job of getting that done? Yeah. The lawnmower 3.0 from Manscaped. Okay. Okay. Quick question. Um, I, I want the lawnmower 3.0. How do I get that? I don't really want to dick in a box, though. Okay. So if you want the lawnmower 3.0 to show up in a box, sans dick at your front door with free shipping. Um, I can do better. I can get it to you. I can get it to you with your shipping being free. And I can also get it to you 20% cheaper than you normally would. That seems pretty good. I'm, I'm very wilder beastie here in quarantine. Right. Well, all you gotta do is you gotta go to manscaped.com, use promo code punch. And you'll save 20% and get free shipping. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So even if it's, even if you want to then put your dick in a box and give it to somebody else, you can do so clean shavenly. Perfect gift. The perfect gift. Let's run through these real quick. Um, oh, we have to do a beer money giveaway too, huh? Uh, dude, I know who's getting it. You know who's getting it? Oh, you just want to give it away based on the review alone? Yes, dude. That, there was a that, review that came through. That, that kind of goes against our, that kind of goes against our, what we do though. We got to give this guy something. We'll give him a shout out, but we can't just. Okay. All right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't just give it to him for the second. Give it to him. I mean, there were certain parts of the review I didn't like, but there was a lot of the review that I was just like, dude. You know what I like, though? I can can respect honesty. I don't mind honesty. Um, Okay. That doesn't bother me at all. All right. So let's do this. Let's go through prelims. Let's give away some beer money. Yeah. Um, And then we'll, 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 we'll call it a day. All right. Let's rifle through these bad boys. All right. Cody Durden, 11 and 2, taking on Chris Gutierrez, El Guapo, uh, 15 and 3 versus 11 and 2. I like Chris Gu- Gutierrez here. How do you feel about that? Yeah, Durden's on a seven fight win streak, but dude, he hasn't fought 
anyone on the UFC level yet. I'm not putting any stock in him. I like Gutierrez. Okay. Jamal Emmer, 17 and 5. Tamir Valiev, 16 and 2. Uh, hard for me to go against the neckbeard at this point in time, man. These Russian neckbearded guys are just smashing right now. Uh, I'm taking Valiev here uh, over Jamal Emmer's. Yeah. Anyone from Dagestan that's got that neckbeard, like you said, they smish. But speaking of smish, you said an interesting thing about the PFL promotion in association to this fight. I'll give people some insight on that guy. Yeah, I mean, Valiev's coming over from PFL, and I we were trying to rack our brains prior to starting here. I don't know somebody that's come over from the PFL and been successful yet in the UFC. We've seen it the other way around, but I'm trying to remember a PFL guy that has come over recently and been successful. Not to say that it hasn't happened. I'm completely throwing this out there that I may be wrong, right? May be wrong. I just cannot think of it off the top of my head, and it's not something that I can just quickly go check the metrics of and figure out what's what. Okay, sounds All good. Right. Marcus Perez taking on Eric Spicely. Marcus Perez, 12-3. and three. Eric Spicely, 12-5. and five. I like Marcus Perez here, man. Dude, the guy is, is, is legit. He's got fireworks in his palms. He's got straight-up KO power. He can get get it done, get it done quick. I like him. Uh, there's not no slowing him down. Got great cardio. Perez, Perez looks like a beast. Yep. All right, Ray Borg taking on Nate Maness. Nate Maness at 11 and 1. Ray Borg 13 and 5. Ray Borg let us down last time. I know you don't want to touch this fight. Little caveat asterisk here. I like Ray Borg, but we're not we're not in unison on this fight. Just throwing it out there that I like Ray Borg in this fight. I want to be on team Ray Borg, but just based on what we've seen the past couple of times, he's just not the old Ray Borg. He wasn't utilizing his wrestling. He was trying to strike and just get into these firefights. But I know that he has the ability to get back to who he is. Like you said, he's got to watch his tape. He's got to make, you know, the adjustments and hopefully get it done. Yep. All right. Ed Herman taking on Gerard Mearsharp. Mearsharp making the quick turnaround 31 and 13, a wealth of experience. He's taking on a guy with just as much experience at Ed Herman, 24 and 14. Um, I like short fuse here, man. Upset alert. Ed Herman, he's durable. He hits hard. He's hard to get out of there. Uh, Gerard Mearshart has had a little bit of an up and down, a little ebb and flow uh, his last couple fights. Um, I would love to take Gerard Mearshart here, but I think that I think the crazy ginger just might have one more quality win in him here, man. Ed Herman at an upset here. Mearshart's moving up from 185 for the first time. I think that's interesting. I think Herman here, you know, he like you said, he's got great experience. The guy's tough as shit. Um, I think when you look at a guy that's got great experience, he's a veteran and he's extremely durable. Grind out decision doesn't look doesn't look too crazy. Yep. All right. And the last prelim, Jonathan Martinez taking on Frankie Signs. I like Frankie Signs a lot, man. I just think he's outmatched here by the younger, more youthful, more athletic Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, I, I, I've, I'm tired of putting money on old dogs here. The young, youthful uh, newcomers have seen. Uh, at least we saw that on Fight Island. I really started to take over. Yep. Uh, all right. Let's give away some beer money. What do you say? Let's do it. All right. We've got 55 entries to go through here for beer money. Um, if you guys want to be eligible for a beer money giveaway, all you got to do is go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Uh, write something out if you would please do. Uh, when you write something out, we will then enter that to be one of the beer money giveaway winners. If you've already written a five-star review, no worries. You're always eligible. We recycle these. Um, everybody that has written one before, it continues to be eligible. If you do not have iTunes, you listen to us on Spotify, podcast, Podbean, um, tune in radio, 
uh, any of the other ones, Stitcher, Google Play, that's fine. Follow us on uh, Instagram at, at punchlistmma. Shoot us a DM and say, hey, Dale, Trey, I listen to you guys. I would review you if I can, but I can't. Uh, please throw me in, and we will throw you in there. As of right now, we've got 55 people, Trey, um, that we're currently picking from for beer money. And uh, as always, I want you to go ahead and give me a number between 1 and 55. Last time I went dead center, and it took you about 45 minutes to uh, count that high. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with two. Going to go with two. All right. Going with two. Not a knock on your math. I just I just am going to try and say two. Yep. All right. That winner would be Jabon. Oh, Shaban. Jabon. Oh, shit. We got a French man. Yeah, Jabon says when they're on, they're on. Crushed it for me and put money in my pocket like they said they would. That's true. That is true. <laughs> All right. I love it. Let's yep. give it away. Let's get after it. All right. So all you got to do, Jabun, is just hit us up between now and Saturday night. We'll Venmo you some beer money. Those of you that did not win, keep in mind that uh, if you if Jabun does not claim beer money between now and Saturday night, the beer money gets rolled over to the next fight night. Oh, shit. So rather than getting Natty Lights, you're most likely going to get some type of double IPA. You could get a, you get a little milkshake stout if you wanted to. Oh, boy. Although it's summertime. Stout? Although I, I, don't think, I don't think stouts are good in the summertime. All the same. Uh, you know, it's your beer money. You do what you want. So uh, you got anything else, Trey? I don't. Guys, follow us on all social channels. Predominantly Instagram follows at punchlistmma. Um, if you have any further questions or need further insight on the prelims or main card or any of the picks that we've shared with you tonight, we are constantly responding to those that message us or direct message us on Punchless MMA. So please follow. Sounds good. And we've got some surprises in the works, too. Oh, shit, dude. We've got some surprises. <laughs> I will say tonight in this recording, while your sound quality is amazing, You've been very like monotone, almost like you're whispering into the mic and kind of telling me sweet nothings. You're telling me sweet picks, but it just it's it's been extremely sexual tonight, man. I'm gonna be honest. You know what it is though? I don't when I get going and I start talking fast, I don't get as much inflection, right? Yeah. So I don't get as bombastic. Like last last episode, I didn't, on it. I, I didn't say as much, so I was real bombastic with it. Yeah. This episode, I'm giving out a lot of information and it's yeah. sort of it, but but here's the thing though: is you know me. Anybody that's listening to our show for a prolonged period of time, you know that this is just the broadcast energy, right? It doesn't yeah. make it any less. Like I'm hyped up, I'm sweating still. I'm just not screaming into the microphone because I like to be respectful for headphone users and people that listen to us on the car ride on the way home or right. on the way to work in the morning. Nobody wants some idiot screaming at him at nine o'clock in the morning when you're driving to the job talking about pick Joanna Calderwood or you're an idiot. Like, I don't want to do that. So dude, I feel like this is, you're, you're saying everything I've done tonight. <laughs> no, not at all. We're not just straight up like honey and vinegar tonight, dude. No, 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 we're good. We're good. Like I said, I'm just, you know, I keep it. I'm just trying to keep it level with the information to get out there. I'm hyped up on people. You know, I'm hyped up about what we're doing. The podcast continues to grow week in and week out, Trey. I'm so excited about that. I really, I really, really am. 
Um, guys, the best way that you can support the show is by supporting our sponsors. Thanks to Stay Classy Meats. Thanks to Allegiance Clothing. Thanks to Manscaped.com. Use our promo codes. If you can't remember them, what they are and you don't want to go back and listen to the ad reads, shoot us a message on our social media channels. Shoot us some love or hate mail at uh, chat at punchlistmma.com. Shoot us some emails. Tell us whether you love us or you hate us. I don't care. I just like talking to you guys. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, you know, I spend probably more time at work talking to people than I do actually getting work done. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what we can do with that. Uh, maybe one of these, one of these days, this thing will start making us some money. So, uh, support the show, support the sponsors, appreciate everybody. Take care, be good to each other. And we'll see everybody on fight night, Saturday night. Ooh.